Welcome to a special edition of the BioCentury This Week podcast. I'm Jeff Cranmer, Executive Editor of BioCentury, and today we're coming to you from the final day of BioCentury's 22nd Bioequity Europe Conference in Milan. We have two special guests joining us today, Sharon Cunningham, co-founder and CEO of Shorla Oncology, and we have Bobby G. Sony, CBO of the Bioinnovation Institute. I'll let them introduce themselves in a moment, but first, BioCentury This Week is brought to you by MSD. MSD is a strong history of success in translating cutting-edge research into life-saving medical breakthroughs. The pharma's European Innovation Hub, located in London, is embedded in one of Europe's key scientific communities to drive engagement with local academia, biotech, peer pharma, and venture capitalists. The hub includes a business development and licensing team, clinical teams, and its UK Discovery Research Center. MSD, of course, is also known as Merck Co. Incorporated. It's located in Kenilworth in the great state of New Jersey. For more information, visit msd.com slash licensing. Let's get started here, Sharon and Bobby. And of course, Stephen, welcome to the pod. You're my usual running mate on financial matters and uh, European affairs. Um, Sharon, can you please uh, introduce yourself? Of course, Jeff. And thank you very much for the invitation to the podcast to yourself and uh, Stephen. As you said, I'm co-founder and CEO of Shorla Oncology. Shorla Oncology is an Irish and Cambridge US-based pharma company developing and commercializing innovative oncology drugs, focusing on indications where existing treatments are limited, in shortage, or inadequate for the target population. And Bobby, tell us a little bit about yourself and the Bioinnovation Institute. Oh, yes. Thanks. And thanks for having me. So Bobby Sony, I'm the Chief Business Officer of the Bioinnovation Institute. We're a nonprofit translational research institute funded with 470 million euros from the Novo Nordisk Foundation based on the idea that there's a lot of great science out there that never turns into products to benefit people in society. So basically, we help founders spin out their companies from academia and then help those companies get funded. Excellent. And Stephen? Yes, uh, Stephen Hansen. I'm an associate editor with BioCentury. While we cover a broad range of things, I, I guess I focus quite a bit on the financial markets and uh, everything happening in Europe. Excellent. Well, today, as I said, is the final day of Bioequity Europe. We're already looking ahead to next year in Ireland. We'll get to that at the end of the podcast. We save my favoritely named panel for last. Capital Markets Showcase Surviving a Bear Attack. Admittedly, full disclosure here, I'm going to Yosemite this weekend, so I'm keen to learn how to survive a bear attack. Uh, Steven, you've been our man on the bear beat. Can you set the scene for us? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess beyond bear spray, I guess what we need to uh, figure out is what, what companies need to do to, uh, to survive this. And so, yeah, I guess setting the scene, I mean, we all know kind of the carnage that we've seen on the public markets here and sort of led to this barren landscape for, for financings, you know, both for follow-ons and IPOs. And so companies that, have really been forced to adapt. And that is sort of across a myriad of ways. I mean, everything from tapping alternative sources of financing to pipeline prioritization, um, using BD as a non-dilutive source of cash for you know, non-core programs, or even we've even started tracking right full-scale restructuring for first cash conversation. 
conservation. So Sharon, maybe if we could kind of start with you to kind of get the CEO's perspective on what levers management team sort of has at their disposal to navigate this sort of environment. Of course, um, Stephen, and just to start off by saying, you know, I'm feeling quite optimistic after listening to that panel. Um, I thought it was a very useful discussion. I really particularly liked Jean Butler's uh, summation at the end, where she basically said that, you know, the strong fundamentals underpinning our industry really position us uh, for success and give us reason to be optimistic. But that said, you know, we are trying to navigate this situation. And as a CEO of um, a pharma company in the middle of Series A and Series B, we have had to look at our strategy and uh, reposition uh, certain things to ensure that we get to key inflection points as effectively as we possibly can. And that has impact right across the board on our people, on our, our products and our pipeline, and also on how we think about financing and whether or not we need to explore alternative options. Firstly, I would say that for us, cash conservation, a cash conservation mindset is hugely important in the times that we're in and really forecasting out longer than you would normally do and uh, to ensure that, you know, you have enough cash and enough runway into the future. So that's that's number one. And that exercise identifies areas where maybe you need to change or you need to go in a different direction. And certainly our focus has been on getting our, our near-term revenues as quickly as we possibly can. So getting our first product approval. And that has been difficult because, you know, with the macroeconomic environment that we're in and the fact that FDA have been delayed in facility inspections, particularly overseas inspections. And even though, you know, we have a US presence, but our manufacturing is, is done in, in Europe. So that has affected us also. And we have, have had to navigate that. But now that we have a date set and we know that FDA are coming to inspect, that is our priority and getting that first approval um, and achieving that value inflection point is, is absolutely our priority. But in addition to that, looking more long term, um, so that's the short term view, but really looking longer term and seeing how can we extract value from our pipeline now and how do we optimize our current portfolio by adding additional you know, potential opportunities. And so that requires more money. And so that means that we need to explore both dilutive and non-dilutive sources of finance and also uh, ways to, to unlock some value via BD opportunities also. So there are two key priority areas at the moment. And then that all, of course, has an impact on, on our people because we're going along nicely in one direction and then you require everybody to pivot and, and go in a different direction. So that requires a huge amount of management. And, and probably, you know, more than I ever could have imagined. And so navigating that as a CEO is challenging, um, but I think it's about being open and transparent with your people, communicating and ensuring that everybody's eyes are on getting the product to patients, because at the end of the day, that's why we exist and that's why we do what we do. So, so those are some of the challenges that well, certainly I'm facing as a CEO today. Bobby. Oh, go ahead, Stephen. Yeah, well, I was just going to ask Bobby, since I know I know you've got a long track record of, you know, experience investing, particularly in Europe. And, and you know, I think you know, what you were saying, Sharon, about the cash conservation, that's obviously something that I think when we think of European biotechs, I tend to think of them as being a bit more maybe capital efficient is maybe the, the, the polite way to say it. So can you maybe give me your perspective as an investor kind of on how you see 
mean, particularly in your area, obviously very early stage, I don't know how much really impact you felt from uh, you know what we've seen on the capital markets. Well, there has been some follow-on effects. So many of our companies, and, and, and I, I would start by saying we aren't an investor. I mean, we do put money into the companies, but the purpose for us is a financial return. It's just to start. But we do position our companies as companies that need to raise financing and work in the, the market we're in. And many of the companies were actually talking to larger investors, U.S. investors, about some roll-ups where they would be included as, as one of the assets in a, in a, a startup American company that was then going to go to IPO. Those discussions have, have clearly stopped. Uh, it's, it's not really on the table anymore. And they're back to where the original plan was, okay, we're going to develop the story. We're going to leverage the research we've already done and talk to a lot of investors to try and find a lead. Excellent. Well, I'd like to turn now, Bobby, to the turning talent headwinds into tailwinds panel. That was our kickoff scene setter panel on Monday that delved into the two crises facing biotech today, the talent crunch and access to capital, which is itself a bit of a crunch brought on by this grinding downturn that we're stuck in. Bobby, what what were the takeaways from your experience on that panel? Did you have any sidebar conversations with panelists? Uh, I did, and I had some conversations afterwards, some observations from uh, from the audience that came up to me. And I think my personal observation was I felt a bit schizophrenic in the sense that I'm a former investor. I did that for 15 years, and now I'm leading, we're leading an incubator that works with startups. Where So I honestly felt on that panel that I was there to represent the CEO perspective, the founder startup perspective. And I thought it was very telling that the discussion was about how do we get American CEOs into European companies. Uh, but it, that felt like an older conversation about the market we used to be in, uh, about going to IPO and going a bit faster and being more ambitious. But we didn't have a conversation. I'm sorry, there's some wonderful children playing right around right next to me. Uh, but we, we didn't have a conversation about the CEO perspective of creating a team and hiring talent to their team, maturing that team, which are challenges that we're facing at the BII. Um, I think the panel is a little bit more negative uh, about talent than the situation is on, is on the ground. So yes, maybe it is difficult to get US investors into European companies, okay? But we have plenty of European talent and we have a, that isn't being used. And we also have a latent, I think a latent potential in our academic founders and all these startups that can also be used to generate to work in early stage companies and, and, and get them going rather than always bringing in professional management right from the beginning. That, that's interesting. That really resonates with something that uh, Francesco Di Robertis of Medici said on yesterday's podcast. He, he essentially said that uh, getting talent into European biotechs is better than it's ever been. He said, you know, 25, 28 years ago, Biotech may have seemed like a, a strange, exotic journey, but now, especially in the past few years, it's been quite easy hiring top European names, top U.S. names to, to join his companies. And the one thing he did say was that he's not sure whether it is a change brought on by the pandemic or it's more of a fundamental change that comes from European biotech evolving and becoming much more mature. 
Uh, Sharon, you're in the unique spot of uh, competing for talent in Cambridge, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. which uh, has got to be a challenge. What's your experience been like? It's not easy, I can tell you. Um, and I, I can only say from my perspective that I am you know, slightly hopeful that with everything that's happening in the markets at the moment and the fact that you know, so many companies are trading below cash and it's, it's more likely than not that some of these companies will not survive. And, and therefore, I think there will be an availability of talent as a result. And I, I think that will certainly help uh, companies such as Shoreline Oncology. Um, we haven't seen it yet, and I think it will take time, but you know, I, I do believe it's, it's bound to happen. I also think that I agree that the pandemic really has put a, a spotlight on our industry positively, you know, what we've done and how quickly we came up with solutions and innovated, I think, attracts people to the industry. And I think that's, that's great. That's a good thing also. So I think those two factors should help in, in talent shortages into the near future. If I can add a point there, a, a, a little wrinkle, I think people were at home just wondering, really, what do I want to do with my life here? Am, am I really happy? And we're seeing this you know, all over. And we're, uh, we at the BII are beneficiaries of this. We're seeing really qualified, competent people from pharma in our, in our local industry, our local area, want to come to startups, take pay cuts, take all the risk. They're all in because finally... Maybe they've been numbed by the by where they've been working, and they just want to do something and do it now. Yeah, it, it, I mean, sort of to that point as well. I think not only what you're doing, but also kind of where you are when you're doing it. Because I've spoken to several VCs now who, post pandemic, you know, it might be a Spanish company or you know somewhere like that, but they're they're hiring a CEO or a CFO that's based in Denmark or based you know elsewhere, and or even transatlantically, and it, and it works. Whereas maybe previously that just, they would have never considered that. So that's something that I think is maybe another part of that talent search equation that it just wasn't really there pre-pandemic. Uh, we ask all of our founder startups, they clearly have no experience in this. We insist and demand that they actually find a chairman of their company, a chairperson, and, and ideally not Danish, ideally not in our local ecosystem. So someone who's the right person for them who's willing to do the work, show up and work online and, and mentor them. And uh, the pandemic has really helped actually uh, illustrate that this can be done in, in new ways. Excellent. Well, this year's conference was a sold out affair. We sold out all of our in-person seats. It was our first live event in three years. Uh, it took us about two and a half years to make it happen. We we just landed on Milan just before the pandemic hit Milan. And we're delighted that we had it in Italy because the Italian biotech ecosystem has just become an ecosystem, really. Uh, it's still young, but over the past five years, there's been dramatic growth. And next year, we are picking a country very close to my own heart, and I'd like Sharon to tell us a little bit about Dublin, where we will be having next year's bioequity and the Irish biotech ecosystem and, and where it is at in its development. Sharon. Of course, Jeff, and I'm absolutely delighted to welcome bioequity to Dublin next year. I think it's going to be a great conference. Dublin is a fantastic location. I can't speak highly enough of the ecosystem there that is 
really helped get Shorla uh, Oncology off the ground. It's very accessible as a country in terms of being you know, proximity to both Europe and, and US. We're a welcoming bunch. We, we have good Guinness and there's great facilities. So it's, it's a great location. And just to speak a bit more about the ecosystem that exists in, in Ireland. So it's very well supported from a VC perspective. So Cerebral Life Sciences, in addition to Fountain Healthcare, would be two of the main uh, life science specific VCs located in Ireland. And I know they're sponsors of the event next year also. Enterprise Ireland, who have been a great supporter of us and are also supporting the event next year as well. And then there's an array of really fantastic pharma, biotech, medtech companies located throughout the country. Our government has worked really hard over recent years to develop uh, collaborative clusters throughout the country. And that has really led to um, a significant talent pool in our, in our industry, which has been really helpful. And also the R&D regime there is really favorable from a, a corporation tax perspective. And also R&D tax credits are extremely favorable. And then finally, our compliance track record really is unrivaled. Uh, so all in all, a really great location and really looking forward to welcoming you all to Ireland next year. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Sharon. I, uh, I'm hoping to get to go in person for the first time to bioequity. You, they, they wouldn't let me into Italy because they were worried I'd just run off and eat all the delicious food. But I, uh, I need... well, they'll, have, they'll, they'll have other worries in Ireland, Jeff. That's true. I, that's <laughs> true. I'll, I'll have to uh, chart the course of Leopold Bloom one day and uh, yeah. with a Guinness in each each hand. The whiskey alone, Jeff. You're 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 uh... true. I didn't want to reveal my Achilles heel. Um, well, I'd like to just turn to to Bobby and Sharon and just ask for a final word before uh, we let them go. Bobby, it's good to be back. Honestly, this was uh, it was just wonderful to uh, to be at the conference, and I can't under overstate the importance. I have a ten person team; uh, many of them just started in our industry. They have never been to a networking event. They've never met investors, startups, and just showing them that this is how it's done was a pleasure for me. So, thank you for arranging it and having us. Excellent. Well, thanks for attending, Sharon. Well, uh, Jeff, I didn't attend in, in person. I'm in Boston at the moment, but I can feel the optimism and the positivity from the various panels and the questioning and, and so on. And so, you know, that's a great thing. It's, it's, we needed it. You know, we've been in, in disarray, I think, for a number of weeks and there's a lot of uncertainty out there. But conferences like this bring us all together and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll survive it together. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. And Bioequity Europe 2023, the tickets are on sale now, I guess is what, what they say in the concert business. So we sold out this year. Why not register a little bit early? Thank you all for listening. Thanks to those who made the hike to Milan or watched virtually like Sharon did on our partnering platform. All of BioCentury's podcasts are available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and Google. Kendall Square Orchestra provides the music for our podcast. The group connects science and technology professionals and other members of the greater Boston community. If you're in the Boston area like Sharon is, check out their Symphony for Science 2022. It's at Symphony Hall on May 23rd at 7.30 p.m., the Symphony for Science will benefit the Science Club for Girls, which highlights the critical importance 
of mentorship and access to STEM education for individuals from underrepresented communities. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.